Hello, and welcome to the podcast, everyone. Yes, welcome everyone, as I finally unmute. (laughs) Glad you remembered to do that this time. Yep, nailed it. First time. Yep, yep, you've only had nearly five years of practice. True. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, just improving, getting better every day. That's my motto. (laughs) Small steps, small steps. Right. Just Everyone's just got to do small steps. That's all, you know, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So you and do. if you forget to unmute to start a podcast, that's a step back, but you know. As long as, I mean, getting to unmute is like a small issue, right? Because yeah. someone will pick up on it pretty quickly. Forgetting to hit the record button, now that's a bad one. That's a big step backwards, correct. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a while since we've done that, but it has happened. That's usually my fault. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That happens to me when I'm recording my cast, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the worst ones. I feel the dumbest when it's like the recording stops two minutes in because I ran out of hard disk space. <laughs> that because one, I wasn't paying attention. It's like ah. Uh. That one always amazes me because I don't think I've ever managed to fill up a drive ever. Like, uh, yeah. The other day I was looking through one of my drives and like I have all these videos downloaded from all the stuff I bought from the Microsoft Store. I haven't watched them in forever. I don't need them saved here. I'm going to remove them. I removed 1.3 terabytes of data from my drive. That's a chunk. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a chunk, but it wasn't even half full. <laughs> oh, right, because drives are big these days. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Well, so I guess... When, I don't know how you fill it up is what I'm saying. Well, when a 20-minute StarCraft two video recorded in 1440p is 10 gigabytes... Mm. And I do like one or two of those every day. Mm-hmm. It adds up. Yeah. That plus I am uh, creating a final version of it and hit film express with the intro and the outro and stuff. Mm, okay. And so that's another version of it that sits there on the drive. So I've been trying to do a better job over the last few months of cleaning that up, deleting the originals, only keeping the final version uh, and then moving the final versions out to another external eight terabyte drive when I'm done with them. So Fair usually enough. keep them around for about six weeks. And then if it's older than the six weeks, I'll get rid of the corrupt and dump it over on the external. And that seems to be working. I haven't run out of hard drive space in a while. Fair enough. Fair enough. I yeah. mean, video recording is heavy on storage space. Sure. That is, that is very true. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why I don't record this locally. I just let Twitch hold <laughs> it and I can push two buttons and send it to YouTube and it's done. <laughs> genius. Yeah. Big brain. Genius, genius. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, to start things off, I guess I just want to talk about something that we did before the podcast. Like what? We don't do anything before the podcast. That would be a waste oh, of material. <laughs> it's an excellent point. So you familiar with the Conan versus Paul Rudd thing that's been going on for a long time? Oh, very familiar. I'm a big fan of Paul Rudd. I've been paying attention to the situation for like the last 20 years. He comes onto the show. He's always got a clip to play. It's great. Love it. 
Yeah. So actually, I'm trying to figure out when he started doing this. Mm. Because I swear it dates back to the 90s. Like, it okay. is so old. Fair enough. Yeah. That I remember seeing this back when he was like at the 1 a.m. slot. Like, the you know, when nobody wants to do it. And Conan was a smaller name, but people loved him still. Sure. And sure. Like, super young Paul Rudd. And why can't I find the first time this happened? Mm. I don't know. I'm not actually that big of a fan. I'm just pretending to be. Paul Rudd. I know. Here it is. Oh, I'm wrong. It's 04. Okay. So not quite the 90s, but I mean, good chunk of time ago now still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what he does is he shows up on Conan's show and you're promoting something if you're on a late night talk show, obviously. And Paul Rudd's like, I got this TV show I'm working on or I've got a movie that's coming out soon. And here's a clip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he shows a clip from the horrible... McDonald's funded McDonald's placement producted Mac and Me. Mac and Me. I've literally never heard of Mac and Me before today. Correct, because it's horrible. Right. So yeah. That's what makes this as good as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a clip where a kid in a wheelchair <laughs> goes down an embankment off a cliff. Uh huh. It's like a hundred feet in the air and into water. Mm -hmm. And then the alien, who's a big part of the show, like looks at the camera and goes, <laughs> and it's the dumbest, like silliest 20 second clip you can find of anything, I think, on the Internet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It had a budget of $13 million and had a box office domestic of $6.4 million. So Yeah, and it is heavily McDonald's product placed. Mm -hmm. If you find any clips from this online, they're like at McDonald's 80% of the movie. Fair enough. So it's not good. So yeah, so Paul Rudd does this in 04, and Conan's like, ah, come on, what is this? And he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little joke I'm playing on. He's always so pleased, too, that he's fooled Conan. <laughs> and then he's done it, I don't know how many times since, but I would say at least once a year since once? 2004. Wow. And pretty much every time, Conan's like, all right, man, I know what this is, and then... They throw it up and it's Mac and me again. Mm -hmm. And Paul Rudd is greatly pleased with himself and the audience <laughs> loves it because it's a recurring bit and audiences love recurring bits. That's true. Yeah. And so Conan's got a podcast that he's doing now called Conan Needs a Friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he had Paul Rudd on and mm -hmm. Paul Rudd's like, I've got a project I'm working on. <laughs> and he goes on for two and a half minutes talking about the people he's working on the project with, mm -hmm. what they're doing, mm -hmm. what their goals and their vision is. Just on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And then he's like, I brought a clip actually from it. And it's Mac and me. Of course it is. And they've got a monitor set up in the room they're, pod they're potting in. Mm -hmm. So Conan can see it as it comes up as his production assistant throws this up on the monitor. <laughs> and Conan, and was he in on this? I don't know. There's a good chance he was because it's his podcast. Like, would his production manager hide this from him? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I I think it's like Conan's supposed to be a funny guy. Maybe he came up with the idea and he's like, yeah, do it. Even though it's an audio podcast, do it. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Very much so. So Conan just spends a lot of time being like, it's an audio medium. <laughs> it doesn't work. So, like, but I guess... 
There is the audio cue at the beginning of someone going, Alex, who's the kid in the wheelchair, <laughs> and then the stupid music, and then the mm-hmm. splashing sound. So like, he's like, I know what it is, because I've seen it 800,000 times, and I can pick up on the audio cues of what clip this is, even if I can't see it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and again, just my favorite part of the whole thing is how just pleased Paul Rudd is when, <laughs> when this happens. He's just smiling. He's so happy. Like, he's the happiest <laughs> he's ever he ever is in his whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he shows this clip to Conan for the 800th time. Anyway, I'm just happy to see uh, the tradition continue because it's one of my favorite ones. The real question is, why this movie? I mean, obviously, well, why this clip? I mean, the clip's funny, right? Get in a wheelchair off a cliff (laughs) into water. I get that. I get that. Okay. But how did Paul Rudd pick this? He's not even in that movie. Correct. And judging by its box office return, I doubt he saw it in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Because oh, is oh four before YouTube? Uh, two thousand and five. Oh five, I think. Yeah, so December oh five. So the, he did this. He pulled this off before YouTube's a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was browsing one day and someone had this clip uploaded to YouTube and he was like, "Heck yes, <laughs> I have found what I've been looking for." Right. Right. Yeah. He had to have gotten it. I don't know from some other unknown hosting. A video hosting site from back then or maybe he had a friend who worked for the production company and he can get it for him yeah. that's a great question yeah because when was the first time he did this we said we found out oh four oh four so it was pre-youtube yeah right that's what i'm saying so, so like someone must have had a he must have asked someone to clip him a reel of it like literally yeah, I mean, take were... apart film and be like here is just a VHS tape of a kid in a wheelchair falling off a cliff. <laughs> Which right. makes it much more enjoyable knowing you had to make like put in the effort. It wasn't like right click save video, you know? Yeah, I mean there were again, I said I mentioned this earlier, but there were online video hosting sites before YouTube. It's true. It's right? True. So yeah. it's entirely possible somebody was like on an albino black sheep or something <laughs> and was like, Hey, remember this stupid scene from this nineteen ninety four movie that nobody saw? And it just got a million clicks and shares everywhere, and that's how Rod ran came across it, right? You maybe, maybe. I think I think it's much more likely that him working in the film industry was able to get his hands on something like that. Yeah, I think much more easily. I don't think. I, no, but that's how he got his hands on it. Sure, mm-hmm. but like deciding that was the one that he wanted to use. Well, yeah, maybe either. I mean, yeah. Well, that, that, I don't like that because that makes it less funny if it's not really his joke. Oh. Like if, if someone else like clipped it and was like, huh, look at this funny thing. And then he goes, I'm going to take that and put it on Conan as my own thing. Right? Like, oh, that's a, a good point. I don't like that as much. If it was like one day in like 2004, Paul Rudd's in university or college or something, he wanders down to video easy, right? Or Blockbuster or something. And he's just like, I'm going to rent something that looks like trash and gets that and goes, this is awful but one scene it is brilliant and then goes out of his way to like find someone with a reel of it and make a copy that's way right. better yeah entirely possible yeah i mean he's gosh darn 52 years old because he's one of those immortals it's true yeah so he was born in 1969 so he would be <laughs> um a full-grown a very adult man by the time this movie came out uh well the movie came out in 88 Oh, was it 88? Yeah. Okay, so he was... Okay, so he was 22 then. He came out in when? 70, 69? 71? 79? 
What'd you say? Six, 69. 69. So that would make him uh, like 19. When the 19. Came in. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just saw it as a terrible movie. Like he was like, it's out in theaters. I'll go see it. Or in any of the 20 years previous, uh, like since, wait, that means he was like 40 when he started going on Conan. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, and like Blockbuster didn't come around until 85 and only in Texas at first. Right. But by, I don't know. I mean, Were hold on. Is... movies in 88? I'm trying to remember. I was alive, but I was like six. So right. <laughs> I wasn't alive. No, no, no. By 88, Blockbuster was America's leading video chain with 400 stores in the country. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. He could have easily, with a bunch of friends, one weekend, been, let's go get a movie. And they yep. see this terror, like this weird thing with a kid in a wheelchair and Ooh. aliens and like McDonald's product placement. And they're like, awesome. Yeah, possibly. Or he was like at college or whatever, doing like a film class, learning to be an actor. And he was told, hey, go out and watch a terrible movie. I have this recommendation. And use it as a studying guide. Like, what not to do in <laughs> filmmaking? Um, <laughs> yeah, entirely possible. I, we're probably spending way too much time on this. but Oh, probably, yeah. In the end, I think we can agree. It's a pretty hilarious video clip to show over and over and over mm-hmm. on Conan's show for, you know, 15 sure. years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. God, Anywho, that's that. 52. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look it. Doesn't look it. No, he doesn't. No. I was actually watching a video. This, I mean, this is video game related. Uh-huh. But I watched a video where somebody was trying to figure out what generation CEOs for gaming companies are from at this point. Okay. And because they just want to know if they were baby boomers or if they were Gen X. Right? Sure. So he's talking through that. And he runs across... Hang on a second. I'm going to find... What are you looking for? Yeah, so it's just... It's a blog post that he made. Okay. And I I watched it today. Here we go. Boomers versus video games. Let me see if we can find... Ah, he doesn't have it there. Anyway, the... Who is it? There's one CEO that is definitely a boomer. He's definitely old. Right. But he looks like he's about 35. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what company he worked for because it was it was one that we've heard of. Okay. He was going through it here. So it let's see, Kotick, no. Here it is. Zaus Zelnik of Take Two Interactive. Oh, okay. So he was born in 57. Okay. Yeah, it's, he's an old man. Right, and there's our guy. There was a pic. There's a picture that he found of him like running, and he just doesn't even nearly look like it. And well, this picture, I mean, is not him looking young. Uh, not so much. No. Not, not so much. The Wikipedia one is not as <laughs> as flattering as some other ones that exist out there. Oh, here's the one. Here's the actual photo that he used oh okay yeah like that man he was born in the 50s crikey just barely like 
<laughs> You're not buying it. I mean, that could be a bottle body double. Photoshop does wonderful things these days. <laughs> Entirely possible. Could be a fake. Could I mean, be him releasing it to make people think he looks younger than he is. It's true. But, I mean, he does look good in that photo. I mean, it is taken uh-huh. at somewhat of a distance. Uh, not a lot of facial clarity going on. But true, true. his physique is on point. Not rocking a dad bod. Um, right. Yeah. He's active. He's keeping active, which is important. And he makes video games. Well, he's in charge of a company that makes video games. Right. So the point that was being made in this article, though, was that the guy who was writing it feels like the older generation of boomers didn't grow up with video games, Mm -hmm. right? They were adults by the time this stuff happened, so they don't have the kid experience with it, and they don't identify with it as much as someone who was a Gen Xer or a millennial would, right? Sure. I mean, I'm just going to state that I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think there are more mm-hmm. adults who play video games than children, just by sheer weight of numbers. Kids might play more hours or for longer times, but... Sure, but just your relationship with video games is different when you're a kid versus when you're an adult. Sure, but, Generally. but the, if you want to sell video games, you need to sell it to the people who can pay for it, and the more the people who can pay for it, the better. So I think it's totally reasonable that there should be CEOs of game developers that you know, we're adults when video games took off. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But I'm, obviously they're dying off because they're old. old old as dirt at this point. <laughs> right. So there yeah. are a bunch of uh, Gen Xers, Xbox. So, man, uh, Phil Spencer, yeah. who is the gaming head for Xbox. Sure. Like, it's incredible how much he's over now with how much Microsoft has acquired <laughs> over the last five years or so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a Gen Xer and he's in charge of everything Xbox, everything Microsoft, everything Activision, uh, everything. What was the other one? Uh, ZeniMax. No, yeah. Bethesda and ZeniMax. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Bethesda. It's just, yeah. The whole, the world of Microsoft gaming has gotten real, real big. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sure. it's a Gen Xer who's over the whole thing. But yeah. Yep. Anyway, the point is, uh, I think, I don't know. I just kind of disagree with him on that. I just think, I don't know that generational differences make as much of a difference as he was trying to argue that it does. Mm. And I just think it's as easy for someone who's a Gen Xer or a millennial or even a Gen Zer to be a cynical, money-focused bastard in charge of gaming who doesn't care about the games at all and only seeks to maximize profits in every possible way and doesn't care about the gaming experience, right? Right. I mean, he has a picture here where he's basically saying, uh, I assume this is what you, the from the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like Xbox is Gen X, Epic Games is Gen X, Bethesda is Gen X, Take-Two, that's a boomer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Activision, so boomer, but in transitional, it's in transition. Ubisoft, which has boomer energy, which, well, I don't know what that means. Either they're a boomer or they're not. <laughs> Right. I think he was trying to mix it up a little bit. He didn't just want to write Boomer every time for some reason. I don't know why. Sure. And then it's basically all Gen X until you get to Valve, uh, which is weird because Valve doesn't make games anymore. Um, or at least not regularly anyway. Yeah. I mean, Alex would say, shut up. We make games once every 15 years. <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. That is yeah. theoretically an argument you could make. 
Um, but they mostly just sell games and yeah. Yeah. And they make a billion dollars off of that every day. So they're he's, fine. He's they're doing like, great. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, but I would also like to say that like Activision Blizzard, clearly very money hungry. Ubisoft, very money hungry. But so is EA and King, right? Right. I, I mean, that's the point is they're all pretty money hungry no matter when, like, no matter when they were born. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's definitely varying degrees of how scumbaggy some of these companies are. Like, I would say Xbox is probably on the like nicer end. They offer a good value for money deal with um what's the thing like called? Like the Game Pass thing. Game Pass, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um whereas like King is which actually King's owned by Activision, so I don't know why it's a separate thing here. Um he recognizes that in the article and in the video he says, yeah. So mm. King got acquired by Activision who's now owned by Microsoft, so right. Phil Spencer again. It's true. Well, that that deal hasn't been finalized yet. Right. And right, right. But in progress, in transition, in pro- as he yep. says. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, EA. <laughs> the less said about them, the better. <laughs> yeah. The worst. If we talk about them, they might try to buy this podcast and kill it. <laughs> I mean, if they don't buy us for like a billion $50 million, dollars, I'm okay with that. Yeah, oh. or a billion dollars, sure. <laughs> no, I, I refuse to sell it to EA. <laughs> we would have some very serious talks. So I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not going to sell to EA, but I am going to take that Raid Shadow Legend sponsorship money. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Call me EA. Um, we can work something out. So principled. Such a principled man you are. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so humble too. I know. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So GSL continues to march along. That it does, GSL. Let's have a little look-see because I saw... I, I watched some of the games from the most recent group. Yeah, I watched pretty much all of it. I wasn't like completely focused on some of the matches, but... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was listening at least. C went through, which was Rogue Beyond Jaune and Nightmare. Right. Yeah. 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 Any surprises? I don't feel here? like I've heard of Nightmare before. No. I've, uh, Not a good sign. I don't think I'd heard of him. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Oh. I mean, managed to take a map off Beyond and a map off Rogue. So it can't be right. too bad. Yeah. No, very true. Like he didn't just get smoked, smoked. I mean, he didn't. He didn't progress. He didn't move on. But like no. you know, he didn't get blanked either. So that's right. not bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm wondering. No, oh, yeah, go. I mean, just rogue, just kind of casually making it through, dropping yeah. a single map the whole time. I mean, who's surprised by this? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, Nobody. Yeah. I mean. You only had to fight Protoss, and Protoss clearly just received a massive nerf. Makes sense. It's true. Those forward shield batteries that Nightmare or <laughs> Joan didn't do at all. Well, I mean, they would have if they hadn't been nerfed, obviously. Oh. They, would, they would have made more Void Rays. I mean, they made some Void Rays, but they could have had more and faster out, and they would have won those games. It's true. I did the math. Um, but I will say... 
we are three out of four groups done and not a oh no three out of five groups done excuse me and uh-huh. not a single protoss has advanced <laughs> i mean trap hasn't played yet but yeah <laughs> <laughs> probably just gonna be trap at this point yeah possibly trap well it's not a trap creator and uh, hero so yeah <laughs> I mean, Trap and Creator can make it out of Group D, but the way Solar played at Cato, I don't know. Mm, it's going to be unlikely. Yeah. One thing I did note from the broadcast, though, from Tastosis, was that they noted that Bion was kind of just doing the same thing in PVTs every single map. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was. Just powering <laughs> like, up on two bases. <laughs> yeah, two bases, goes for double medevac drops, uh-huh. gets a third at the same time. Mm-hmm. Open Widow Mind Drop, right? Because of yeah. course. Yeah. And they just noted in one of those games, he got a Widow Mind Drop that got 12 probe kills. It's true. I saw that. And then in, instead of like following up on it, maybe pressuring a little bit, he's like, nope, oh, we're just robotically doing the same thing I always do. <laughs> Not adjusting the situation at all. <laughs> right? I'm going to get two more medevacs, going to get some Marines and go for a drop at five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up 20 workers on my opponent right now, but I'll let them power up a little bit. It's fine. Mm. I don't know. You disagree? I mean, he he could stand to be a little more flexible in what he's doing, but at the same time, if you if you get ahead and like you want to stick to your game plan, that's a good thing too, right? Like if you think yeah. what you're doing is the right way to win, like this the way you feel the most comfortable getting the double year, then getting 12 probe kills is like great. My enemy's behind. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. I'm comfortable here. I'm going to set the pace of the game. Yeah. I mean, as Day9 said many years ago, if you're ahead, get more ahead. Exactly. That's one way to do it. You can try to kill your opponent by being aggressive after you've murdered their economy, but you know? Mm -hmm. Also, just continuing to be 20 workers up for the next five minutes Mm -hmm. is also pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Going back to the players who have gone through, we have three Terrans and three Zergs so far, which mm-hmm. is remarkable, which means if Trap Creator and Hero will get out, it'll be 3-3-4, three, three, which would be yeah. perfectly balanced. So let's, let's hope Protoss come in hard for the last two groups. It's as perfect as you can get. There yeah. be really no complaining there, I don't yeah. think. I mean, it's still possible, but given the fact that four Protoss have already been eliminated. Uh, it's unlikely. <laughs> True. Uh, unlikely. Yep. Yeah. And again, in Group D, the way that Solar's been playing, I just uh, it's rough for both Creator and Trap to get out of that, I think. Right. Exactly. Uh, who's versing who first there? First is Trap, Gumiho, Creator, Solar. Okay. So... Trap over mm. Gumiho, and then... I mean, I, I'd put Solar over Creator. I think so, too. Yeah, and I did just cast Gumio in the Africa World last week, and yeah. his TVZ series against Dongregu was insane. Like, yeah. I think it's the best I've seen Gumio play ever. It was some of the most concerted pressure that never, ever, ever gave up at all for twenty five <laughs> minutes until Dongregu died. Like, <laughs> there was never a minute where DRG was like, "All right, I got some time to breathe. I'm going to fire up fifteen drones. I'm going to tech up," which is like, nope. I am getting murdered on every side the <laughs> whole time. And he 3-0'd him. Hmm. And so I don't know the Dong is not quite at the level of solar, but I just think Gumio's TVZ looked he's mm-hmm. been working on it. So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked if he made it out of this group or at least was able to beat Solar in their little thing. Maybe, maybe. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I guess we'll find out at 3.30 in the morning. I mean, at 10 in the morning on their YouTube channel. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, I'm going to get up and watch it. <laughs> no. Uh. I'm actually taking work off to next week. So oh. You should do it then. Why not? Next week. The 4th through the 8th. Hmm. So, I mean, that gives me group E. <laughs> <laughs> But then you know. it doesn't pick up on the group stage two until after my time off is over. So that's well, cool. you should just take more time off. That's the solution to I, that. That is true. I should. God, yeah. oh, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. So there's three of us that are doing um, testing for the cloud right now. But sure. for years and years, it was just me. Okay. Uh, and so I was like, I want. I'm taking next week off, and he was like, Ah. But one of your coworkers, one of your other QA people is already taking it off. And I was like, look, man, the remaining person on this team can handle it because literally I was the only person testing this thing for three or four years. Mm. And he's like, really? I didn't know that. And I'm like, yep. So we can both be gone and he can handle it because there's not a big release coming out. We just did the thing, Mm -hmm. got it out. And yeah. so it's not like there's a billion hours of testing that needs to be done. That is, it's nice to have three people when that's happening for sure. Sure. Yeah. But when that's not the case, there's just not as much to do when one person can hold it down, I think. So mm-hmm. boss was like, yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I tried off. to tell my boss, uh, I want to take like next week off, I think he might <laughs> shoot me because it's like the, the weekend before <laughs> Christmas. I uh, don't Christmas, Easter. <laughs> right. This, yeah, and that's it. Timing matters. If I'd been like, I need a week off during the big testing cycle for the big, huge release we're doing, then yes, he would have said no. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely true. Exactly. Of course, there's not nearly as much redundancy in your job either. No, there, there is not. Yeah, so if you ever want to go take a week off, even if it's not hot cross buns time, mm-hmm. then your boss is going to be like, mm, how about no? Yeah, I mean... I can only say, say no so many times. Yes. Well, like I, I mean, thankfully, my holidays accrue that don't expire at the end of the year or anything. So, yeah, but you got to be able to use them. It doesn't matter if you have like 800 hours of time off accrued if you can't, uh, if you never are able well, to take it. Once it starts getting accrued, my boss will get a ma- uh, like a email from the head office being like, some of your staff have way too much time <laughs> sitting around. Oh. Yeah, you got to nice. make them spend some. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad they do that because I've had coworkers like I had I had coworkers that had accrued time off that carried over year to year to year to year and they never took it. They never took enough to get through it anyway, right? Mm. They had 300 hours of time off and then we swapped over to a different model mm-hmm. and said, oh, all that accrued time off is gone unless you <laughs> use it before the end of the year. And there wasn't enough time to do that. So they just, <laughs> they just ate hundreds and hundreds of hours of time off that they mm. never got. And they never right. saw it. And I was always like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know some of the time off, if we were to leave the position, like be like, peace out. I'm, I'm out of here on your job. They'd actually pay out the time. Oh, did your company do that? Or would they have been that option? 
did we pay that out? Doesn't mean it's owed to you. Yeah. No, I mean, in fairness, definitely should have. Mm-hmm. 100%. I don't. I don't think they did. Because I don't remember talking to any of these people and they were very happy mm. because they just gotten a huge check written to them for all this time off, right? They right. were bummed and they were mad uh-huh. because they just lost it. And I don't think they were compensated for it. Yeah. And I think the way the employer tried to like make it work was by announcing it in like July, right? Mm-hmm. And so feasibly, sure, you can take a bunch of time off before the end of the year and get through that. But these people that had... Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of it. And work to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's always work I to mean, do. There's always work to do. Couldn't get through it all. Right. I think the employer was just like, mm, we gave you six months to figure it out, and you didn't. So, <laughs> welcome to the new model. Gross. Yeah, super gross. It was. Mm-hmm. Should put that on anti-work. They'd eat that stuff up. <laughs> that yeah. would get like 10,000 upvotes. Pro- yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> It would. Uh, I'm not even kidding. Anything on anti work gets 10,000 upvotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people are making a job of browsing anti work. It's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Anywho. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. I did one thing um, I have noticed, though, is that that change to the lurker burrow time when you have adaptive talons or it's mm-hmm. not as fast as it used to be. Chill. That's yeah. nice. I did notice that making a difference in that TVZ, especially um, okay. between Gumio and Dongregu, where the lurkers, yeah, they get up and it used to be like they show up, boom, they're planted. Right. Like you can't, you blink and they're there. And now it's, I mean, it's a bunch more time where they're working their way into the ground and they're mm-hmm. taking extra shots from marauders and ghosts and stuff before they can actually defend themselves. So it's not huge, mm. but at the highest level, yeah, I think it makes a difference. I really do. Fair enough. So we'll see how that plays out more and more mm-hmm. in GSL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, I just think the latest balance patch was pretty good. The more I'm seeing of it. I mean, I think it's fine. Yeah, we had, it's I think fine. we had this conversation on stream where it's like, they made a lot of little changes and not even a lot of little changes. They made a, a small amount of small changes. Right. Like Sure. Sure. Nothing yeah. like changed the meta of anything. Yeah, no. Like Although, the, I mean again, it discourages forward battery placement stuff. Yeah, yes. And we haven't seen any of those, but it's also been out for like a month on the mm-hmm. on the patch. And, and like, Zerg players have pretty much figured out how to bring their own creep across the other side of the map yeah. so the queens can transfuse. That hasn't been as much of a problem. No, no. I'm seeing a lot more overlords coming all over and spewing creep everywhere or Ninus worms to pop out tumors and stuff. Um, yeah. So Zergs don't mind. We're still seeing void ray openings from Protoss and GSL. I mean, they're losing, but we're still seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> it might take some time. <laughs> Before Protoss finally give it up. (laughs) Yeah, definitely noticed that too. Reducing or increasing the build time and increasing Mm -hmm. the cost. Mm -hmm. It's not out as fast as they used to be. And Mm -hmm. again, in lower level games, it doesn't matter. But at the highest level where 30 seconds is a big deal, it's a big deal. Did you see Rogue went muted against, I think it was Xiaon, who had a... Yes. (laughs) 
He went like void rays into phoenixes once he realized it was mirrors, and he was just like, "No, yeah. I'm just gonna depower your stargates." That's like, rogue, man. <laughs> I don't think there's another Zerg player out there who will go mutos in ZVP one mm-hmm. and two. Once there's a flock of fifteen phoenix out, be like. I'm still making mutas. <laughs> Good luck to you, sir. <laughs> he's insane. Mm-hmm. He's so good with them. And yeah, he won. It wasn't just uh-huh. chill. Like, yeah, like I said, depower the Stargates. Don't engage with the Phoenix. You don't really have to. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, really, Rogue's just, he's a monster. And uh, I'm sure every Protoss in the world fails him. Fails him, fears him immensely. <laughs> <laughs> that's better yeah, yeah. probably that, that and fails we, against him <laughs> there we go that was the english i was going for i guess well it's hard english isn't your first language it's fine it's true yeah. it's true mm-hmm. true i was actually at my kid's school today so i'm gonna try to make this quick but basically my kids are at a charter school which just means that uh they're technically a private school they're not public but you the parents request that the state send the tax money that would go to their kids in a public school and send them to the charter school instead right right so for whatever reason the school has attracted a lot of like immigrant families like a ton of indian families and hispanic families and um families from asia japan china korea whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's really diverse school which is awesome Mm-hmm. And it's great. Like it's, I mean, my kids have way more experience to other cultures and other languages than I ever had growing up. Like my experience growing up was like the white breadest of white bread right. and possibly ever get, I think. Yeah. Utah so been... 50 years ago and Utah today at two different times. It's true. Correct. Yeah. Very true. I mean, yeah. My they're... youngest brother, my youngest brother who's in high school now. Yeah. Way more non-white kids in the school, which again, Mm. good thing i think there might be more foreigners at your son like your kid's school today than they were in utah when you were in high school (laughs) (laughs) barely possible Uh, we'd have to do some kind of a census but uh i was there for a presentation and um they just talked about some of the teachers and how they really really focus on immersion english as a second language stuff okay so they'll get these kids who come over from India and like, they, you know, they've gotten some English instruction in school because English is really popular in India. So they don't just come with nothing. Sure. Uh, but they're pretty young and their English isn't that great. And like they don't put them in special English as a second language classes. They just put them in with the other kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, within months, like they just pick it up and they're speaking English like a native speaker. And it's really mm-hmm. pretty amazing to see. So anyway. Very cool stuff. Just that just when you said English was my second language, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Do you, does the school have a like a mandatory another language class? Because like when I went to high school, it was like you have to learn Italian. The school was uh-huh. big enough to offer any choices, but there are schools here that offer choices. Does the what are, what are your kids learning, or what will so they from, so. For whatever reason, this particular charter school program has decided their kids will learn Latin. Oh, Latin. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that old dead language uh-huh. that nobody speaks, apparently, according to you. I mean, right. I'm pretty sure I've brothers. He's a Latin teacher. Yeah. We've had this discussion. Right, right. Yes. So it's uh, Latin. When I was in school, they offered French and Spanish. Okay. So at least there was a choice. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
fair enough. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so it's Latin. And I tell you, my kids struggled with it a lot at first. Mm-hmm. They start you when you're 12 with that. Oh, yeah. And so when he started it, it was rough. But man, he's, you know, he's really taken to it. It took him about six months, but mm. it's not a big deal anymore. So again, I don't know what practical applications we have for this really, but uh, as far as an understanding of base language <laughs> concepts that romance languages come from, sure. Uh, the churches in the area want to ignore the, uh, like, uh, it's called Vatican II, where they basically made it formal within the church to t- uh, do the Sunday service in the language of the area. And before that, all the services were held in Latin. So all the churches want to go back to Latin. So the high schools and schools are teaching all the kids Latin so they can understand their services on Sundays. That's, oh. That is the practical application. Either that or it's witchcraft. <laughs> really useful for spell casting. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was weird that they had languages and then a D&D class right after, but you kind of get used to it after a while. <laughs> I, I mean, just, I don't know. I it, just think everybody in my state should learn Spanish because there's a ton of Spanish speaking going on. Yeah. Spanish. Good to learn. Yeah. Useful. Yeah. It's regional though, for sure. Like there are a lot of places in California where learning Chinese would be incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can so, see that. Yep. It's kind of varies from spot to spot. I, would say. I mean, I mean, I think long term, the effects of students who aren't interested in learning any languages in high school is that they will immediately forget everything they learned one day after graduation. Right. Like you might right. remember like a word or two here and there, but if you're not interested in learning that language, it doesn't matter what they offer you or what's useful even. Right. True, yeah. true. Yeah. A legitimate, legitimate point. Uh, source, I don't remember any Italian. <laughs> Other than the word stronzo, which means fucker. Oh. <laughs> of course. And I learned that from Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. What a great game Assassin's Creed 2 is. Hmm. So speaking of video games and TV adaptations, I'd like to give you some time to do some ranting about the Halo TV show that was released on Paramount Plus last week. And they're doing a week-to-week episode thing, right? They are, and I hate that. You uh, do hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate that because it's been six days since the last episode came out, and I, in those six days, I've grown as a person. And <laughs> I, I don't think I need to uh, rant about how bad that ga- uh, TV show is. <laughs> Well, I mean, calling it how like that bad TV show, I think that that's probably good enough. Yeah, I'd just like to leave it there. Look, I think the show might be enjoyable as another sci-fi property, but because they're like taking in, um, like you described it as playing with the bones of Halo. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, they've got all these characters and things, but they don't have them in the right places, and they're not doing the right like the things that I think they should be doing. As mm-hmm. like accurate to their characters, um, like so, it just makes me. It throws off all the preconceptions I should have about what these characters are about to do, or where the story might unfold, or even just how the world should work. For instance, uh, slip space, which is the their method of using fast and light travel to get around the universe, 
uh, as a mm. function of that, you can't, I, I vaguely remember they're not being able to have any communications with other ships or satellites or planets or any well, communication beyond what's on their ship. And so they, when they're in sort place, they would have, they would drop out comm buoys and stuff like that. Um, to send out a message if they were in slip and needed to send a message out. So they have yeah. a little probe that basically drops out of subspace for them. Um, that's been completely disregarded. Uh, and they've got communication while in FTL, basically. Either that, or because they didn't mention that the ship was traveling via fast and light, it was just traveling at sublight speeds from the outer colonies to an inner colony planet. No, they weren't like, doing that. In the space of about an hour, or maybe any, it's described as the only reference of time is one of the characters asks if there's any food, and you see them having a meal. So, however hungry you could get in the length of one meal's time, right? Like, yeah. so maybe like four or five hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, in which the UNSC asks a uh, an outer colonies girl to record a propaganda message uh, asking the colonies to stand down because of an alien invasion. Uh, she is, of course, not uh, in the mood to do this, given her entire colony and everyone she ever knew was just slaughtered. Um, and she has been kidnapped by the, by the UNSC and is on this ship. So she takes that rather well, which I understand. But the person they got to do it was Miranda Keys. Which, in the games, is a captain of a ship and the daughter of um, Catherine Halsey and um, Cap the other Captain Keys, the captain yeah. on the Pillar of Autumn in Halo 1. From Halo 1, right. Yeah. Uh, she's now like a scientist studying xenobiology, of which, canonically, there could not have been a department before um, the Covenant showed up because they didn't have any contact with any alien races before the Covenant. So th she's like sending this message, uh, you know, this slip space message, a full hologram body display from what looks like a mortician's area. Like a, like they're in a, what do you call the place where you put a bunch of morgues? There's like slabs everywhere and there's people like dissecting aliens behind them. They're all like... <sighs> It's just a weird place for her to be like, I'm going to stand around and have a chat with my dad because he's telling me that he's about to order like a little girl to be murdered. And like, yeah, it's just a weird set for stuff to be set in. But at least they got like little details there, right? Which is like all the aliens that they're dissecting and doing research on in the background all have battle scar like injuries. Like you see them like with their shoulders blown off from or like covered in frag grenade shrapnel and stuff like that. They didn't just have pristine bodies in the background they like took the care to make sure you knew that they were collecting these bodies from combat to be researched upon so that someone's obviously taking care in the set design <laughs> of course there's always people who are doing a really good job at something on these things <sighs> yeah yeah so yeah so the big problem here is i get it from both sides they don't just want to do generic space show because that's really hard to attract viewers to right mm-hmm like it's if true. they haven't heard of this, then it depends on word of mouth, basically. Right. right. But if you attach the name Halo to it, there's a ready-built fan base for it, and mm -hmm. pretty much 
more people have heard of Halo than have played it, right? Right. It's true. So name recognition is very important when you're making a new TV show. Mm -hmm. But to use the name Halo and just disregard a lot of things (laughs) about Halo lore, Mm -hmm. it just seems unnecessarily pooping on (laughs) the fan base that you're taking advantage of, right? Right. Yeah. So like, I get why they do it, but man, is it a dick move? Mm-hmm. Like, just if you want to make your own thing, make your own thing. Don't piggyback on this thing you don't care about mm-hmm. in a way that causes people who care about it pain. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's similar to what's going on with Wheel of Time. It seems a lot of Wheel of Time fans are like they just took the name and changed enough of it to where it's gross and I don't like it. Mm. But they used us to get attention to it because if Amazon just if Amazon just goes we're doing our own generic fantasy show that no one's ever heard of this thing then it doesn't succeed at all and it's much harder to do it's why they're doing a Lord of the Rings they're not doing generic fantasy they're doing Wheel of Time they're doing Lord of the Rings right. they're doing The Boy they're Wait. adapting existing properties because it's easier to get attention for them if it's an existing property. Which is weird because Amazon at the same time was like, hey, we're doing a generic fantasy video game called Do Well that everyone can play. And people did. That's an excellent point. They pulled it off with video games. Why don't they believe they can do it with their TV and movie programming? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I know. Don't Maybe they're different people. Like maybe, maybe just different heads of maybe. The, I'm sure it is. Mm. Different people are in charge of the video game side of it versus the TV and movie side of it. But yeah, you'd mm. think the success of New World would be enough to be like, we believe in our capability to hire some really intelligent, creative people to make something new that will be attractive to people, to, to viewers. But they haven't done it yet. Apparently not. Apparently no. Nope. And what's no. also weird is I can say that they did a great job with, I mean, I think the boys has been really well received mm-hmm. by fans of the boys uh-huh. and invincible has been really well received by fans of invincible and uh, reacher was really well received by fans of reacher. So they can do it. <laughs> like they understand that they can make something that the fans of the product, the property enjoy and has wider appeal, mm-hmm. which all three of those things managed to pull off. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it? Oh, wait. This is Paramount Plus. Yeah. Oh. So I've been ranting about Amazon this whole time because I thought the Halo was on the Amazon. Well, here's the thing. That's where I watch it because I you can buy a Paramount Plus channel subscription on a Prime Video. So gotcha. It feels like it's an Amazon show. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. That's the difference. Amazon knows how to do it. Paramount <laughs> yeah. Plus doesn't know how to do it. They're entirely different people. I guess. All the way up and down. Yeah. That's what it is. Screw you, Paramount Plus. <laughs> I've, I've been tempted to go back and watch the first episode of Halo and then just make a text document of all the changes and what they mean. Oh, no. <laughs> like, no. But I feel like... Uh, that would be a waste of my time. Like I would just get angry again. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so too. Cause honestly you can stop and like really pull apart things and just be like, they've fundamentally changed the way like gravity works. <laughs> it's like, on, it's right. on that, it's on that level of change, you know, uh, like, well, so- 
my biggest pet peeve is that the UNSC have not kept Spartans as a secret program, right? Right. That we only, I think they give like a year, like we're two or either one or two years into war with the Covenant and the insurrectionists and the colonists on the outer rim or whatever you want to call it think that Spartans are still slaughtering uh, separatists, basically. Um, you know, and right. that the Covenant is UNSC propaganda to disguise their actions. Like, oh, we aren't really fighting aliens. We're just, like, being killed off by some Spartans. Like, Spartans are coming right. into colonies and slaughtering everyone. Um, Which... Sure, right? It, it's it's a thing that could make sense, but not in Halo. Yeah. <laughs> because right. the, the Spartans are incredibly... Like, there are so small a number of them that you like even people who had seen them wouldn't know what they've seen and wouldn't be able to match any stories. Like originally in the Spartan 2s, there was like 35 of them. That's it. Right. You start spreading them out in teams of four or less. It's going to be very hard. And like just terms of timeline that the Spartans already have shields like on their suits or on like a, 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 the level of technology that they're being equipped with is like the shielding marks, like the Mark V, I think it is, Mjolnir armor. But before that, they didn't always have Mjolnir armor and they were doing very stealthy reconnaissance work. Like the first yeah. mission that the Spartans get deployed on is to basically go and uh, assassinate a colonel or something who defected from the UNSC in the books. Um, and it's just like... the. Spartans were considered top secret, and then their presence was revealed for morale after the Covenant started, like, destroying, glassing entire worlds. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so it doesn't, it's just really weird that they're like, oh, the Covenant are glassing worlds, but here are these people in these backwater places who don't believe that. It's like, you... <laughs> I don't know. It just it doesn't work for me. <laughs> it, right. it doesn't sound like Halo. And like these little backwater plan planets are being attacked by a dropship, like a phantom dropship with 21 elites on it. Like that's it. <laughs> that's the entire invading force. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Nope. I mean, no. No. Uh, simply no. It, it's wonderfully brutal and gory at times where like the plasma blasts blow people apart and the sword, energy swords like cut through people and steal. Uh, yeah. There's a scene where one of the guys gets like stabbed and held up in the air with the sword. And I'm like, shouldn't the sword, like his body just like slide down? Doesn't yeah. do it, but it should. <laughs> but other than that, it's fine. <sighs> so yeah, if this was generic sci-fi show mm -hmm. and all the names were different, mm -hmm. and the aliens were different, mm -hmm. then like, sure, much easier to enjoy if you're a Halo fan. Yep. Much easier, yeah. Because yeah. I am seeing some pretty good responses to it from people who don't know anything about Halo. So yes. they did the part of the equation that part correct. Mm -hmm. It's just the other part that they screwed up on. Mm -hmm. I think they've been a little too keen uh, to bring in characters who should know each other, but don't necessarily uh, operate with each other, like uh, Miranda Keys and her dad, whose first name still eludes me. <laughs> I just remember him as Captain Keys. Um, because it's just, it's very strange that this family who is not not really a family, like 
Catherine Halsey, married to her work, had a little fling with... Uh, Jacob. Jacob, thank you. I know it's like with Jay. I was reaching for John. I'm like, no, that's the chief. Um, internet helped. Yeah, internet's, Thanks, internet. internet's always there for me. But yeah. like... <sighs> All three of them are like stationed at the one, the same military facility on Reach, <laughs> you know, and like Jacob's walking to his daughter to, to talk to her personally. It's like, oh, the complex is small enough that he can just walk down and hand deliver his daughter um, orders and updates on the situation and stuff like that. It doesn't seem like that's really needed. From a storytelling perspective, like there's no sense of scale to the UNSC. It feels like a military on one world, like one military base at the moment. Because um, hmm. Oni's headquarters is not strictly like Oni and the UNSC aren't strictly the same thing. So they're two different entities. Yeah, um, and so Oni's headquarters is typically in Sydney, back on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could spread these things out, give it a sense of scale. They don't do that. Um, yeah. There's Sorry, a few like, complaints. It, there's complaints at like the storytelling level of what they are building that isn't strictly Halo. Um, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. That's just me. Some people might like it. I, yeah. I like it just me. seems like the more you know about Halo, the worse it is for you. That's all. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, tune in next week where I complain about the second episode. Yeah. <laughs> come out tomorrow. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. All right. Well, good. Is that it for us then? I believe so. Okay. Very good. So is that that is going to be it for this episode of the Falcon Paladin Hour with Somicron. Again, you can check us out at twitch.tv slash Somicron. Mm-hmm. We broadcast this live on uh, Tuesday nights and maybe Wednesday mornings and afternoons if you're in Australia. Uh, yes, next week we'll have gone through daylight savings and this will be at 11 a.m. Sydney time. There you go. 11 a.m. Yep. Sydney time and 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. There and there are VODs out there too, also on uh, Somicron's YouTube channel. True facts. So, yeah, check that out. Also, you can support the podcast directly at patreon.com slash Falcon slash Somicron, S-O-M-I-C-R-O-N. And then also falconpaladin.store is where merch is available, too, if you're into that. So, again, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to us rant about StarCraft and nerdy stuff. And we'll do it again next week. And until then, stay safe and stay healthy. And above all, take care of yourself.